Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast, Week 10 edition. Patriots coming off a blowout victory at Carolina. They are hosting the Cleveland Browns this week in what should be a really good game. Cool week of football coming up. I am Alex Shane here breaking it all down with you, as always, and my good buddy, Rich Hill. A lot to get to today, Rich, but first, of course, how are you? I am doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, you're coming off of a victory week. Patriots uh, handled the Panthers with pretty much just the easiest of ease. Sam Darnold is out. Cam Newton is returning to Carolina. It's been a good week. It's been a good week. There's nothing in free agency that could really be piquing my interest. Uh, so what, Odell Beckham. Sorry, uh, oh. Alec, Odell? Odell. 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 I. I guess we should start talking about that before we get into the game. I personally am as neutral on this as possible. <laughs> I, I read a stat that he has had exactly two 100-yard games since he turned 26. I'm not saying he's a bad receiver, but I think there is a conflation of what he's going to bring to the table versus what he actually will bring to the table. I just can't see him coming into New England and just blowing it up the way Randy Moss did, say. And the reports are the Patriots are not on his immediate radar. I believe it's the Saints, the Packers, and the Chiefs are the three teams he's considering most closely. We won't know until after the week's over as well. And again, if he comes to New England, great, but I'm not really chopping the bit to get him, but that's just me. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it would help the team. I think Odell would immediately be the best receiver on the team. I think it comes down to uh, how much are the Patriots going to fight to get him. And I think that's the big difference because, as you said, like the Packers, Chiefs, and Saints are all higher in the pecking order, it would seem, from Odell Beckham's camp. And all of the reports just make me feel like the Patriots are being used as just like a bidding horse. Like there's not actually interest or a likelihood for Odell to come to the Patriots, and it's more just like Odell's camp being like negotiations have stalled, the Packers are offering us the minimum, the Saints are don't have a lot of cap space, so they're kind of tapping out, and the Chiefs are you know going to do what the Chiefs do. So uh, uh, Patriots want us, Patriots want us. Hey, everyone, Patriots, Patriots, Patriots. And I, I have a hard time seeing that as legitimate uh, interest coming from the Patriots. And like I, I know yeah, that yeah. there's like some semblance of interest, but I can't just I, I don't imagine it's as great as those reports seem to be, because otherwise I would imagine that the Patriots would have signed it by now. Yeah, I mean, they've definitely reached out. They know that They're, they do their due diligence. They reach out to everybody, it seems. And they don't have a lot of cap space either. So they have to do some creative work on their salary cap to get him in even at better minimum. So I don't know. My big concern with Odell is he's a big personality. And we have a rookie quarterback. It's not like Tom Brady is a veteran leadership there. He's kind of like got that pedigree. And I'm worried that Odell Beckham might come to New England, start demanding the ball a lot, 
Mac Jones might feel pressure to throw to him more often than he needs to. He's so good at spreading the ball around. It could potentially be a monkey wrench in the operation. But again, I think you're right. I don't think it's really going to be an issue. That said, I'm ready to walk it back and be really excited about it if and when he does sign with the team. <laughs> but that won't be till after Week 10's in the books. That's more or less a concrete fact right now. And an interesting Week 10 it will be, Rich Hill, starting tonight with an AFC East-esque matchup where the Dolphins are playing the Baltimore Ravens in what should be a pretty one-sided game. That said, Rich, based on what we saw last week, Anything goes in the NFL. That is one truth that is always universal in this league. Any team can beat any team on any given Sunday. Kevin is most likely by the Jaguars taking at the Bills somehow. Thank you, Jacksonville. <laughs> Urban Meyer. Looking down the slate of games this week, Rich, for Week 10, anything particular that catches your eye? Yeah, I mean, like, I think there seems to be a lot of really one-sided affairs that you mentioned. Like, the Ravens should absolutely knock out the Dolphins. The Bills should absolutely beat the Jets. The Steelers should absolutely beat the Lions. And the Cardinals should absolutely beat the Panthers. The Bucks should absolutely beat Washington. Uh, and the Rams should absolutely beat the 49ers. There's more games this week with teams that are really, really good going against teams that are considered really, really bad than I've seen at any point this year. And so... I would imagine this week to go roughly as expected, but just based off of what you said with the Jaguars somehow finding a way to upset the Bills, I imagine that there's going to be at least one upset this week where one team that has a really big winning record against one of the bottom five, ten teams in the league, uh, I imagine that there will be an upset. And Alec, uh, I absolutely could not have said that the there was no chance that the Jaguars could ever beat the Bills. Um, and I'm not <laughs> absolutely going to put out that same energy by saying that the Jets could absolutely not beat at the Bills. Uh, so that's never going to happen. The Jets could never beat the Bills. The upset that I am going to declare right now is the 0-8 Lions on the road beating the 5-3 and Steelers. I feel like that has to happen. The Steelers uh, always seem to play down to the level of their competition. That has been a trademark uh, just kind of performance level that you can expect from Pittsburgh over the past 15 years. And the Lions, they're not necessarily as bad as their 0-8 record suggests. They've lost out on like a few bad bounces and everything, so they're due for a few couple lucky breaks and a win. So that's going to be my upset declaration of the week, 0-8 Lions beating the Steelers. I'm going to have to go back to the replay of you predicting the Jags beating the Bills oh, never, last week. Never. I, I, I seem to have a different memory of that, but I'll take your word for it. We've yeah, you long I, I knew exactly. Nine to six. I knew that was going to happen. Right. Totally. Uh, look, man, the Bills, I mean, excuse me, the Steelers should have lost to the Bears on Monday night. Uh, there was some absolute nonsense and shenanigans that basically saved the game for them, and it came down to a missed field goal, and the Bears are pretty bad. The Lions, they're not going to go 0-16 again. They have to win at least one game. I can definitely see it. The Steelers are not a good team. They're very wildly inconsistent. I'll be very curious to see how and if they bounce back from that kind of nonsense game against the Bears. But as for my upset pick, I agree. Unfortunately, the Bills can't lose to the Jaguars and the Jets on back-to-back weeks. I don't think that's even legal in the United States to lose <laughs> to the Jets and the Jaguars. However, I can see the Jaguars really jumping on that momentum and taking the Colts out in Indianapolis. Divisional matchup, the Colts aren't great. They're, I'm sure they're favored by this, but I can see Trevor Lawrence getting his second win in Indy on Sunday. Oh, yeah, no, I can see that as well. Um, I, I think that Indy is a team that is both overrated and underrated at the same time. I mean, I think that they are 
lucky to have four wins, um, but I also don't think that they have a bad roster in entirety. Um, but I absolutely agree. I think AFC South matchups are some of the the, the drunkest in the entire league. I, I think that there's <laughs> no scenario where a really good AFC South team absolutely can beat a really bad AFC South team uh, as a guarantee. So yeah, I mean, I would love to see the Jaguars upset the Colts. I think that'd just be hilarious. Um, but I, I believe that I could see that happening. Um, but I also think that there's a few other games around the league that are kind of worth mentioning just from a playoff picture that now we are in the second half of the season. It's probably worth mentioning. Let's start off uh, or maybe even finish with this Sunday night matchup uh, between the five and four chiefs on the road against the five and three Raiders. The chiefs have had their wheels just completely dismantled as of late. They had a very embarrassing victory over the Packers, the Aaron Rodgers Packers last week, where uh, if, if there's ever a uh, just uh, uh, the opposite of a moral victory, uh, they, they had a moral defeat. Um, they, they left with a win, and it felt like a loss. Uh, Alec, what's your read on this game on Sunday night? Yeah, man, I have absolutely no idea. I don't think I could get a read on the Chiefs or the Raiders at all this season. They both looked great, and Raiders more so than the Chiefs overall, but the Raiders kind of have imploded a little bit too recently. They've had some shenanigans take place off the field that have bled into their actual gameplay. This obviously will have a decent impact on the AFC playoff picture in terms of who's competing for the one seed, who's in, who's not. So this is a very important game to watch in in that respect. But I feel like since it's a primetime game and it's a divisional matchup, it could really go either way. But I would hide the bet right now. I think I'd take the Chiefs to win a close one here. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I do think that the Raiders and the Chargers always seem to split against the, the the Chiefs, no matter how good the Chiefs are. So there's a chance that the Raiders could pull it off, but I think that the, the Raiders are the biggest paper tiger in the entire league right now. Um, so I wouldn't expect them to full, find a way to beat the Chiefs. I also expect the Chiefs to right the ship at some point in time. So um, that's my thought there. Um, Alec, speaking of righting the ship, the Patriots are now yeah. five and four with a winning record. They're about half a game out of first place in the AFC East. Uh, they are going to take on the Cleveland Browns. They are hosting them, uh, and they are looking to get a victory at home against not the New York Jets. Uh, <laughs> what is your take on this game? My take on this game, Rich Hill, is I wish you and I were breaking this one down on like Saturday as opposed to Thursday, because which Browns team is going to show up will depend entirely on the injury report and the COVID list. Because if my memory serves me, which it rarely does, but if my memory serves me, I think Jarvis Landry is a real question mark to play Sunday. Uh, their running back, Nick Chubb, is a real question mark to say to play Sunday as he's in protocol. And Kareem Hunt, who's under what a good player, he's definitely going to be out. But two of their their top offensive weapons in Landry and Chubb are not going to be playing. They might be playing. And which Cleveland Browns team plays the Patriots really depends on those two guys. I'm going to sit here and assume they both play because I think that's how you have to prepare for this team. Uh, I do think that if those two are on the field, this may represent the most even matchup the Patriots have had all season in terms of quality of players, skill level, ability to kind of play with anybody, but ability to kind of lose to anybody. You look at Cleveland's losses over the course of the season, they're all to good teams, except the Steelers were kind of mediocre, but again, the divisional matchup. They don't lose to bad teams. They've been hung in there with good teams, just like the Patriots have. You know, their record doesn't necessarily indicate how good or bad they are. So this is going to be a really good test for this team to go up kind of a punch-for-punch, punch, very similar style of play. 
good quarterback, good receivers, good running game, good against the run, good defense. And it's going to really all about who makes the least amount of mistakes. Oh, I think that's absolutely true. And that's actually where I'm a little bit concerned because right now the the Browns are fifth in the league in avoiding turnovers. So they are one of the best at protecting the football and the Patriots are in the bottom 10. So if the Patriots continue their streak of having multiple turnovers, which they've done at six times this year, so six out of their nine games, they've turned the ball over two or more times, Patriots lose this one. There's no way that the Patriots are going to win this one while losing the turnover battle. So the Patriots both need to protect the ball and to try and force the Browns to make an unlikely turnover. And so with that in mind, let's start with the Patriots defense uh, against the Cleveland Browns, thinking of trying to force some turnovers with the Browns. They don't have Odell Beckham Jr., who is their top wide receiver as relates to snaps. Um, But right now, what we know about this Browns offense is that they have one of the best offensive lines in the league. Over this past week, they just signed both of their guards to huge extensions. I think they are now the second and third highest paid guards in the entire NFL uh, behind only old friend Joe Tooney. So they have really invested in their offensive line, which would be huge if their running backs are unavailable to go. So Chubb is one of the top three running backs in the entire league. He's backed up by Kareem Hunt. Uh, Hunt is definitely not going to be available. He's still on the reserves. Chubb may or may not be available, as you mentioned. And if he's unable to go, then DeErnest uh, Johnson will be the likely choice, who had a monster game a few weeks back, um, but he has been largely ineffective after that game. So they are down to the, the dregs of the roster as it relates to running back. And then at wide receiver, they have Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's their top wide receiver now as it relates to snaps. Uh, Richard Higgins, who didn't really play much last week, but currently would be number two as it relates to snaps. Jarvis Landry, who is on the uh, injury report right now, so he may or may not be available. There is not a lot of depth here at the wide receiver spot. And so it's a team that relies on their tight ends with Austin Hooper uh, and David Njoku being the number one and number two skill players as it relates to snaps. So with that rundown, if you are Steve Belichick and Bill Belichick looking to match up against this Browns team, what are you doing? Yeah, that's a good question, Rich. Again, I think I want to operate under the assumption that Chubb and Landry will both play. You want to prepare for the worst, hope for the best. I think if that's the case, you really want to keep Baker Mayfield in the pocket as much as possible and force him to throw. I like the Patriots secondary against the Browns receiving core, particularly if Landry's a little banged up. I think this could be a very big Joe John Williams game. Maybe Joe John Williams on the go-to with, with some help. Uh, maybe Williams and Duggar, some kind of combination there uh, to eliminate that and keep Baker Mayfield throwing the ball in those short to intermediate routes. I can't seem taking a whole lot of deep shots down the field. The Patriots can dedicate their resources to the run and force Baker to pass. They could be in for a long day. I do like J.C. Jackson on Landry. I think it's a good matchup. I think J.C. Jackson patched up well against him and should be able to blank him to a degree. He's going to get his. Landry always seems to have decent games against the Patriots. But I, I trust J.C. Jackson in a one-on-one situation with Jarvis Landry. And then I focus on the tight ends, as you say, with a bigger cornerback like Williams, like Duggar. Maybe Adrian Phillips can get the chip off and really force Baker to win it with his arm because I think that if the Browns can get the ball running well, as the Patriots have struggled against the run all season, uh, it could be a long day. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good analysis. I think that this is going to be a huge safety game for the Patriots where they both have to have some coverage ability against Njoku. Uh 
as well as Austin Hooper, who are two, like, they're talented receivers. Uh, David Njoku has 341 receiving yards, uh, and so he actually ranks uh, number one for non-running backs and yards for the Browns, so he's definitely a point of focus. Um, and Austin Hooper has not been used as much as a receiver. He only has 20 catches this year, uh, definitely used in a shorter range than Njoku, but he has shown in the past that he can do it when his number's been called. It just hasn't been called as much. And so... Kyle Duggar is going to be my X factor. I think he's really been growing as a player. Uh, he is being uh, just extraordinarily reliable out there um, for the Patriots in that secondary. And I, I think that how he plays likely against Njoku will have a trickle-down effect on how everyone else is able to match up. Uh, because I, I think J.C. Jackson will get the matchup against Donovan Peoples-Jones, to be honest. Uh, just thinking of how they've been targeted. He has 20.9 yards per catch. Uh, so he is a deep threat for the the Browns. And I imagine that if the Patriots are going to come down with the turnover, J.C. Jackson will be the guy. Uh, and covering Donovan Peoples-Jones down the field will be a pretty good opportunity for Jackson to come down with at least one of them. And that leaves Jalen Mills in coverage with Jarvis Landry coming out of the slot, giving him some flexibility there. Uh, but with Adrian Phillips out there, I would also expect to see a little bit more of Miles Bryant, uh, Devin McCourty, uh, some players that can play inside and out. Uh, but I, I would expect there to be at least five, if not six, defensive backs on the field for the Patriots at all time, uh, and for them to go a little bit heavier up front just to ensure that the, the Browns' offensive line doesn't move the line of scrimmage with too much ease. Rich, given the assumption, let's say Nick Chubb doesn't play because, again, he's in COVID protocol. He needs to test twice, uh, negative in 24 hours, still very much in the air. He's their best player. But let's say Nick Chubb doesn't play. Bill Belichick wants to employ the old, we're going to take away your best guy, make you beat us with your second, third, even fourth option. If you're Belichick, who are you really going to focus on, not name Nick Chubb to completely blank from this game? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, honestly, I think it, it comes down to more of a position than anything. I think that the Browns feel like they can run against anyone, and they probably can. Even with Chubb out of the field, uh, I, I think that they have a strong enough offensive line that they can dominate the ground with just someone off the side, like a random person out of the stadium, uh, that they could be able to have a productive rushing attack. Um they rank number one yards per carry, number two in yards on the ground. Obviously, Chubb contributes to that because he's so good. Uh, but I, I think Dernis Johnson has shown that he can break out if he's given the opportunity. And so no matter who's uh, behind the quarterback leading their rushing attack, they are going to be the focal point because more so than almost any other team in the league, the Browns rely so heavily on the rushing attack. So right now the Browns rank 30th in pass attempts and it's not because they're uh, blowing teams out all the time. And so they run the ball a lot. They have been playing a lot of pretty close games. Uh, it honestly just becomes down to like, that's how they're choosing to play offense. They are running the ball. They are a run first team. And so if I'm Patriots, you're going to have Devon Godshaw out there with uh, likely based off of how they've been doing it, Carl Davis and Lawrence Guy. I would love to see Christian Barmore get more snaps against the run. I think he's so good of a player that he deserves that opportunity to be an every down defensive lineman. Um, but hopefully Judon is fine and able to go. Uh, I know that he's been banged up. Um, and also, I know he missed practice for a not injury relation, but you know, you got to protect him. Um, but with Dante Hightower uh, and Kyle Van Noy and Juwan Bentley, Patriots are going to have their hands full in making sure that whoever is at running back for the Browns doesn't have a day. Yeah, I'm glad you brought Devon Godshaw. He's definitely my X factor for this one. That middle of the line is going to be really important. Uh, I do like what the Patriots are able to do on the stretch runs between Barmore's ability, Judon, Josh They should have the the lateral kind of movement from east to west on the run well covered or well 
well-ish covered. But if they can start doing those smash A-gap runs and start grinding away, uh, it could be a, a rough one. Defense is going to get tired. That's when the deep shots happen. And if you're on the field for 15, 16 snaps at a time, uh, no defense can stop that forever. So hopefully Davon Gasha has a, has a big day. Him and Lawrence Guy or whoever's in that middle can eat the space up and, and leave the Josh Uche's and uh, Matthew Jones to do what they do best. But again, that's a lot. It will depend on who's running the ball. And for the Patriots, who's running the ball, the Patriots running backs are also banged up, Rich. Yep. However, I don't think it's as big a deal as it could be in weeks past, because given how stout Cleveland is up front with their defensive front seven, this seems to me to be more of like a passing-based attack anyway. Am I wrong in thinking that? No, I kind of agree with that. Uh, you, you look at their defense, they rank number two in yards allowed per carry, uh, because they are really, really good. Uh, Miles Garrett is a the best defensive end in the entire league right now. There's no one better than him doing it. Uh, they have just such a very talented defensive line. Malik McDowell has been doing very well after you know not doing anything for the Seahawks. Uh, he's come back out of nowhere and been a huge contributor for this Browns defensive front. Uh, they they've have uh, Malik Jackson who's a name that people will remember from his time with the Broncos. He's still not the same player there, but he's been very effective for them up front. They have Jadavian Clowney on the outside, who is a name that everyone should know. Uh, so they have a bunch of names up front that have been pretty good. They've been pretty successful, uh, very clearly so. And so the Patriots are going to have their hands absolutely full. And so that's why I agree with you. It's going to be more likely a, a passing game uh, because there's been – maybe some flux in the secondary for the Browns. It's not like they've chosen one person and just they've been able to play all the time. Uh, John Johnson's been their free safety. They've had, uh, you know, a, kind of a, a rotation in that cornerback spot with Troy Hill, Denzel Ward, uh, Greg Newsome, Greedy Williams, all playing between like 50 and 75% of the snaps. And so some of that's due to injury. Some of that's due to performance as the Browns have been trying to find their footing. Uh, but that said, Denzel Ward is coming off one of the best games of his young career. He was a game changer out there against the Bengals. And so if I'm the Patriots, I'm absolutely going to avoid him. And I imagine, honestly, whoever gets matched up against him, likely it would be Nelson Aguilar is just going to be the sacrificial lamb and isn't going to do anything. Uh, because if I'm the Patriots and if I'm targeting the Browns, I'm going to be using the tight ends a lot, not only just to help you know show some semblance of a rushing attack, but also to help chip Clowney and Garrett and whoever else is rushing the quarterback. Uh, and also, uh, if there is a weakness in this Browns team, it's at that safety and linebacker spot. Uh, not saying that the linebackers are like you know particularly bad by any measure, uh, but I, I think that if there is a vulnerability, that's where I would go. I think that Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith need to have big days out there. Uh, I, I know that the, the Browns are a little banged up at that linebacker level. And so if the Patriots are able to have success passing the game, their multi-million mega dollar tight ends are going to have to carry the offense. I'll be curious to see, Rich, how much they actually spread out in the passing game versus how much they have to stay in to help block. I guess that'll be a game time adjustment if and when it's needed. Uh, I agree that's going to be a very crucial to keep Mac Jones upright, and I can't imagine it's going to be a lot of deep shots down the field. This seems like a possession receiver kind of game. It would have been a great game for Julian Edelman to dominate if he was still around. Which is why I'm going to go in the receiver position for my X Factor, and I think this is a good bounce-back game for Kendrick Bourne. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Jacoby Myers will probably get some attention from the, the DBs, but he's, as the third receiver, I think Bourne's a gadget player. He's good on the end of rounds. He's good on the quick slants. 
uh, good on the quick outs. He's very good at reading the hot route. I can see Kendrick Bourne having a big bounce back game today and being the guy that Mac Jones targets the most because he'll have trouble moving the ball against other DBs, as you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, I like that. I, th- I think what's important to note is that uh, this is this year has been the second longest that the Patriots have gone under Bill Belichick to start a season without a 100-yard receiver. Uh, uh, the longest they've gone was 2006 when Roche Caldwell didn't get his first 100-yard game until week 13. That was the longest the Patriots went without a 100-yard receiver in a single year under Belichick. Now they are in the second longest stage. So I, I kind of imagine that they're due for a breakout, and I would love for Kendrick Bourne to do that uh, I, for the exact reasons that you said. Uh, I, I think that they'll likely have a, a receiver put some strain on the uh, on, on the Browns' defense. Um, but I, I kind of think that a tight end in this game might be that one to get that 100 yards. And so my X factor is actually Johnny Smith. I know that he's been banged up. Um, he's currently on limited participation in practice with a shoulder injury. And Hunter Henry has been the guy for the Patriots at that tight end role so far this year. Uh, he's been very reliable. He has five touchdowns, leads the team, been Mac Jones' best friend in the, the end zone. Uh, but even so, he's been averaging three targets a game over the past four weeks and two catches. So he's not lighting it up. You know, Hunter Henry, uh, you know, two catches for about 25 yards is the status quo for him. Uh, and a touchdown, so like nothing to sneeze at, but it's nothing to take over the game. I would say that Johnny Smith is more likely in my mind to take over the game as a receiver. But if you'll if you'll allow me, I'd like to combine them actually and say that I, w- I think that Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry are going to get 150 yards and a couple scores this week. Oh, I'll allow it. I'd love to see that. That'd be great to see because tight ends haven't really taken over a game yet the way we thought they might when they first came into New England. They've been valid contributors, but it hasn't really been that that breakout game. Uh, however, Rich, we talk about receivers, the passing game is going to be their focus in terms of offensive strategy. They can't not run the ball at all. They're going to have to run the ball at least a little bit to make the play action more effective and to grind the clock down. I know the running backs are banged up, so who knows who might start, but I am going to go ahead and assume optimistically that they're all going to be at least available come Sunday. If you're Josh Daniels, which running back do you think is going to be the most valuable as a runner based on this Browns defensive front? Is it kind of a Brandon Bolden screen day? Is it J.J. Taylor mm-hmm. quick out guys? And then Rodri Stevenson trying to put a big body in a big body? Harris doing what Harris does. Who would be your, your, your star running back on Sunday if you had to pick? That's a great question. I mean, assuming that they're all healthy, I would choose Harris to have the biggest day by yardage uh, pretty quickly. Um, but honestly, the way that Bolden has been stepping up to the plate in recent weeks, uh, I'm going to go with him. Honestly, I, I think that the Patriots will need as much help as they can in pass protection, and Bolden is their pass protection guy. Uh, he's also been, like, somehow just very reliable for a 25 plus yard reception every week it seems like so I, I think that uh, if if the Patriots need to have that additional support to chip against the pass rush uh, you know to allow a tight end to get a free release and so not always have them try to block first I'd say that Bolden will have his number called a little bit more than we usually see um, and in recent weeks he's been like a below adequate runner, which is an improvement from where he started and still a very good receiver. And so I, I wouldn't be shocked if you, if you told me at the end of the week that the Patriots uh, needed to rely on one running back and they got a hundred yards and you said it was Brandon Bolden. I wouldn't be too, too surprised. Maybe all purpose yards. I can't see him running for hundred yards against the Cleveland Browns, but oh, I yeah, receiving plus first. running. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, again, like, like I said, as long as they don't give it to him on a delayed draw on third and one, you really can't knock what he's done for this team. That recovering, excuse me, the recovering, the receiving 
backs are such a huge part of the Patriots offense. What a, what a season James White would be having based on what we've seen so far. And coverage linebacker is an area where the Browns struggle a bit. So creating a mismatch out of the backfield, should Mac Jones be able to see that, could be the key to a couple of huge first downs to keep this game going. Uh, Rich, anything else you want to talk about or should your predictions here? Let's go on to predictions. All right, let's do this. So we both had the Patriots beating the Panthers. I had a 30-17 win. You had a 33-14 to win. So I think that would be your pick because you had a bigger blowout than I did, even though I was a little closer in score. So the hammer is back to you. The Patriots are hosting the Cleveland Browns this Sunday, 1 p.m. What do you got? <sighs> this is a hard one. This might be one of the hardest ones I've had all year. Um, so... Where do I stand on this? I think that the Browns have a better defensive front than the Patriots. I think that the Patriots have a better secondary. I think that the Browns have a better offensive line and rushing attack. And I think that the Patriots have a better passing game. Do I come down to who has the better coaching? Uh, yes. So I, I think that Belichick it gives the Patriots a slight edge. It's not going to be a huge one by any measure. But I think that the Patriots are going to win this one. It's going to be a very tightly contested game. Uh, but I imagine the Patriots can eke out a win here, something along the lines of 24-21. to 21. Patriots, 24-21. Nick Folk comes through again for Rich Hill. Uh, I, unfortunately, am going to respectfully disagree with you on this one. I think the Browns win this game. They looked really good last week against the Bengals. I think it was the Bengals they played. Um, Baker Mayfield seems to be thriving without OBJ. The drama is not longer there. Maybe it was kind of a one-game wonder, but I just think the Browns are uh, – they are – you're 100% right in where they're strong, where the Patriots are weak, and vice versa. But I think their strength, especially as, as a running team, against the Patriots who struggle against the run – I can just see this being one of those things where the Browns just grind it out, and then there's one turnover too many for New England, and Cleveland wins this one to keep the Patriots' sole home win, the Jets, for one more week. <laughs> It'll happen eventually, but I don't think this is the week where the Patriots get the second home win. I mean, Cleveland takes this one, something like 27-17, on like a late drive to put the game away. Oof, brutal. Well, I hope that you're absolutely wrong when you fall on your face. Um, Me too. Otherwise, I hope you have a great weekend. Alec, do you have <laughs> any final thoughts on this latest week of the NFL season? That should do it, buddy. Hope, uh, hope I'm wrong too. All right. Well, until next time, Alec, you have a good one. See you. Later.